45-minute watch of the John Landis written and directed 1981 horror classic, An American Werewolf in London. I'm your host, Troy, and along with my co-host, Adrian, we want to thank you here for joining us on this journey. This particular episode is originally dropping on October 30th, which is a Friday, and according to windcalendar.com, the holidays and observances for this day are National Candy Corn Day in, <laughs> in the U.S. It's Bandana Day in Australia. And it's the Day of Remembrance for the Victims of Political Repressions in Russia. Oh, Russia. I like how they politically remember all of the... They, sorry, they have Days of Remembrance for all the people they've oppressed in various forms of oppression. But they, they're politically oppressed, right? That's what you say? Politically oppressed. Isn't it the pol- politicians that are oppressing the people who are politically repressed? Yeah. But now they're celebrating it. Or the victims of it. Yeah, the victims are celebrating their oppression. In Russia, in Russia, oppression celebrates you. <laughs> <laughs> it also marks minute 36 of An American Wealth in London. And this particular minute starts with, I have to warn you, and ends with, take your life, David. So this is a continuation of the uh, conversation between David and Jack. Or uh, Jack and David, depending on what point of view you're going with. And it's basically a giant uh, sequence of exposition where Jack is explaining to David what has actually happened. I've got to say, he doesn't really look sorry to be upsetting anybody. Well, I mean... Because he says, if you're upsetting me, oh, I'm really sorry to be upsetting you. Yeah, but you don't look very sorry to be upsetting anybody. You look kind of like you're enjoying it. Okay, so <laughs> I'm just going to point out to the audience that Adrian doesn't pick up on sarcasm very much. Oh, is and it his sarcasm? Delivery, his sarcas- it's a sarcastic delivery oh, of the line. Being sarcastic. Now, I'm really sorry to be upsetting you, but I have to warn you. Okay. He's basically okay. saying, like, get over yourself, David. You need to oh, get this information. Okay. It's basically okay. how it's okay. going. Okay, I so I realize he was being facetious. Yes, he was being facetious. Did not realize. Yes. And so David's completely in denial and in shock about like he's getting warned and Jack just lets him have it. We were attacked by a werewolf. He tells him that they were attacked by a werewolf. And uh David <laughs> It's the burbs, I'm telling you. It's the burbs. Yes. So. I'm not listening. La, la, la. So, <laughs> David basically does that whole entire I'm not listening thing by covering his ears with his hands. Just like Tom Hanks in the Burbs. Just like Tom Hanks in the Burbs. And, uh. So, Jack continues on with his explanation. His, uh. Exposition, sorry, and that they were on the moors, they were attacked by lycanthrope. Woohoo! On the moors, we were attacked by a lycanthrope. Which uh, Adrian was thrilled to see that, well, to hear that being, yeah. that word being thrown it, around. Lycanthrope is a good yeah. word. But um, for the audience that doesn't know what a lycanthrope is, Jack 
basically dumbs it down and says, A werewolf. A werewolf. Which, uh... He doesn't know what a lightning bolt is. Well, you... It's a general audience. You gotta make sure that, right, like, okay. if you were just to say lycanthrope, you're all like, what's a lycanthrope? I'm not like this that. Is a, this isn't an American lycanthrope in, <laughs> in London, right? So, you just gotta... You just gotta basically make sure that you cover all your bases, especially in a scene of exposition. You have to get as much across and not bore your audience, right? So... Jack states that he was murdered. I was murdered. An unnatural death. It's an unnatural death, and so he's stuck in limbo. And now I walk the earth in limbo until the werewolf's curse is lifted. And, uh, and he has to be in limbo until the uh, curse has been lifted. Because the bloodline has to be severed. The bloodline has to be severed, yeah. And David's like, completely like telling Jack to shut up because apparently covering his ears not cutting it no and then uh, Jack basically mentions that the last werewolf has to be destroyed but how does Jack know that he's the last werewolf how, 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 how does Jack know that that guy didn't make any other werewolves before they killed him because it's part of the curse Jack how how does Jack, who's been in America, creeping on the people from his funeral, know that the guy that got shot on the, the wolf that got shot on the Mers that turned into the man from East Proctor that was the escaped lunatic killer, how does he know that Jack is the only one left of that guy's prodigy? How does he know that there's no other prodigy? Well, no. For, okay. So, of... Oh, I see what you're getting at. I see what you're getting at. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna just tell you this that for Jack to be released, I think that the only way that Jack can be released from limbo is if David's bloodline ends. But but David came after him. I, I, I know. Okay, there's some logic flaws here. No, there's totally logic flaws. Okay. It's all werewolf storylines have this. You don't know if the last person is the last person. But you usually don't know. you don't have to kill the... Usually you kill the the boss, not the kids. Yes, yes. So this is backwards. It, it is backwards. It is backwards. Yes, the, I see what you're saying. Because yes. you usually side, have to go... It's yeah. like the same thing with members. Or the sire is the one that you want to knock off. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're getting So at. I'm just saying, like, it's just a weird... Okay. Okay, so I'm going to propose this to you. Do you remember the radio drama where Jack was in limbo screaming for David and all that, and then he heard that other voice talking to him? No. And told him that he... When was okay. this? It was a couple of minutes ago. <laughs> it was... <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Did I hear this? Maybe I didn't hear this. Yes, because you were you questioned who he was talking to, and did I? Yes. So Jack in limbo has a conversation with this disembodied voice. I don't remember this at all. And the disembodied voice tells him, "Hey, I have some information for you." No, I don't remember this at okay, all. Okay. Well, uh, anyways, that's the radio drama. It's okay. actually not in the script or right. in the movie, right. but it helps fill out the storyline okay. a little more. Which so, doesn't help anybody watching this movie. No, no, because. 
you don't watch the movie at the level that we're examining the movie. Well, yeah, but in this I would format. have questioned that even if I had sat here and watched it all at once, I still would have been like, I don't understand how he knows that this is the last prodigy. I don't. Anyway, but I but I spent a lot of time in Werewolf Land. So. Oh yeah, no, you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing I also want to point out is um, when Jack actually starts telling David about his uh, warning, um, the... Uh, his neck still looks really good. Oh, yeah. It's, well, still looks good. It, yeah. It's only been on screen for like two and a half minutes. When Jack starts um, his warning to David, uh, the Elmer Bernstein's uh, music starts to play lightly in the background. I don't know what that means. And oh, this that's is, the... The guy that you've been talking about the whole time. Yes, the musician guy. The musician. The composer. But this is this is the only the second time that his actual music that has come into play when it's not a dream sequence. Oh, I see. At the very very beginning, at the very beginning, when the boys are walking across the field to get into East Proctor, is when you hear it the first time. Okay. And then every other single time that you've heard his oh, musical score has been in one of the nightmare sequences. That's actually very interesting. And then as he starts. With the line that I have to warn you, that's when the music starts in and it plays out through the end of this uh, scene. That's interesting. So Jack points out that it's David who's the end of the bloodline. The last remaining werewolf must be destroyed. It's you, David. And according to this lore that has been built for this movie, (laughs) that for... Jack's spirit to be released from limbo, David has to die. So that's basically what it is. And of course, he doesn't. He does not take this in stride because. But who would? Yeah, exactly. David is all like dumbfounded. Yeah. Yep. He's got a nice mop of hair in that particular shot. <laughs> And you can clearly see your haagen box there with the Kleenex. Yeah, it totally looks like haagen It totally does, what's even... He, what's he got in his Kleenex oh, box it's, there? Oh, it's... SCO Scotties. It's Scotties oh, tissues. Scotties. Scotties what, tissues. What is this? What is That's this the thing? Headphones. Oh, the it's headphones. The headphones. You put them in the Kleenex box. Oh, Apparently. Of course he mm. did. Yeah, mm. sure. But it's Scotties tissues. I always keep my headphones in the Kleenex box because I want something that's been touching my ears, also touching my nose. You're smelling your headphones? Gross. <laughs> so, David's, I mean, Jack's getting more um, determined to get his point across. I like across. how he climbs up the bed. Well, that's the other thing. Um, so, David yells out for the nurse. Yeah. And uh, Jack is still trying to tell him to listen, but He's like we, finally, right the bed. <laughs> we finally see what that red button is for. It's a call button. Which red he actually, the red button that you... I thought it said. was the special plug. It's not the special plug? No, it's not. I, we got a shot here somewhere. I'm just going to... Oh, okay. So... Uh, I thought it was the special plug. Well, because David In Canada, now, it's the special plug. David is now yelling for the nurse. Yes, yes. By pushing this button. No, but I'm the, just saying. The red thing on the, yeah. it, in Canadian hospitals is the special plug. I understand. Yeah. And, of course, Jack is all like... The supernatural. <laughs> the power of darkness... It's all true. Like it's supernatural. It's the power, power of, of darkness. darkness. It's all true. See, there you go. 
As oh, I stop her right here on this particular button. button. The red button he's pushing is a call button. Oh, yeah, it is a call button. Weird. Yeah. Weird. And there's the headphone jack yeah, that yeah. his nose is now resting up against. Yeah. See, he's, he's sniffing his headphones, too. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that, that's a really good... Now, that's obviously volume control I'm going to take it. Maybe. There's a dial there for volume control. There's your power plugs that you plug things in. I have no idea what that little circuit plug is. But, yeah, so mm. we now see a really good shot of mm. what that control box is mm. above the head of the bed. It makes me feel shocked that that's not the special but the special power plug. Mm. But maybe they don't have them in... in yeah. I don't know. So, of course, Jack's got the whole entire line of beds. The undead surround me. Have you ever talked to a corpse? It's boring. Being surrounded by the dead. Have you ever talked to a corpse? It's boring. And how he... Okay, so the only way I can see that this is... Maybe the corpses are actually just, like, not animated corpses. Right. Then I could see where talking to them would be boring because they don't answer you. But if there are animated corpses, if he is talking to, like... Disem like people who are like him that are you know not are undead or whatever you want to call it then it's not boring because they have things to say too but if the corpses he's talking to are all just flat out corpses that are totally inanimate then yeah that would be boring because they have nothing to say right so maybe that's what he means okay yeah I, I could go like with that like if the undead that he's surrounded by are actually like you know dead people lying in the tombs well yeah if, if it's if the corpses that he's talking to have been killed like a year ago, we know what happens to the corpses to begin with, right? But they're de they're de decompensating, right? Yeah, they're yeah. Just falling apart. Yeah, so maybe they. Yeah, don't, maybe yeah. they're not. Yeah, so. Yeah, so maybe okay, that's so that that so, would work. Yeah, but if he's just like complaining about the fact that he's hanging out with other dead people, well, other dead people can creep on their funerals too. So you could all just talk about your funerals. All right, and then we end with a very sad Jack face. Uh, what? Okay. You don't think that's a sad Jack face? That's totally a sad Jack mm, face. Okay. Where he tells David to take his life. Yeah, he doesn't look too sad about it, though. You don't think he looks sad? No, look at him. No. You don't think? No. What's, what, okay, you explain that face to me, then. Resigned, maybe? But not, I don't think he looks Really resigned? Sad. Yeah? Just like you guys... Well, I don't know. I just... I don't know. I don't, I don't get a sad vibe off it. Okay. So, uh, to begin with... Um, like, he definitely doesn't look like his puppy died or something. No. But I think he's... I think... I think... He, no, I think you're right with resigned. Because he's resigned to know that the only way yeah. this can happen is yeah. that his friend has to die as well. Yeah. But then at least his friend can keep him company. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did mention he's lonely. Yeah. So... Okay, so a little background on this particular makeup is, um, uh, which is referred to as uh, Jack Stage One. Okay. So that was the working process for uh, for this particular stage of Jack Goodman's corpse makeup. <laughs> okay. So Griffin Dunn had uh, mixed feelings about his time on set. Uh, he stated as the makeup went on, he uh, started feeling profoundly depressed. And he said he uh, 
stared at himself in the mirror for hours and got a very real image of what he would look like if he were to be dead. Rick Baker also points out that uh, well, he was a, really dark. Yeah. Um, he also pointed out that uh, he was okay as he was applying the makeup. And after a few sessions, Griffin started to uh, settle into the routine. Baker originally made Jack um, all muddy and dirty, but uh, Landis wanted him to look uh, perfectly clean. And Landis and uh, Baker had an idea of food dropping out of Jack's throat while yes. he was eating the conversation. But they didn't go ahead with it because it was advised against by the censors who deemed it too graphic. So one of the other sequences, while one of the points where um, Rick Baker was applying this makeup to Griffin Dunn, he would be taking pictures of it, sending them to John Landis, and uh, Rick Baker would notice that Griffin Dunn was not handling it very well. And he actually talked to uh, John Landis and told him, look, you got to come here and talk to Griffin because I don't think he's handling his makeup no. very well. Wow. But eventually, like I said, he settled into a routine and, and Griffin Dunn himself got better at being in the makeup. But he never really got over having to be in this makeup. Over on the commentary track, David Naughton continues from the last minute how John showed off uh, Rick's makeup with uh, bright lights and seeing as much of it as you can. The both actors fall silent again until near the end of the minute, and when Jack says, Have you ever talked to a corpse? It's boring. Griffin Dunn then says, Classic John. According to the script, there is a lot more dialogue between uh, Jack and uh, David during this whole entire sequence. It actually goes into a little more, a uh, bit of a lore sort of feel. And uh, just to uh, get across the point, I think we're going to just uh, read from the script, the two of us. So Adrian's going to be doing Jack's lines, and I'm obviously going to be doing David's. So I have to be facetious. Well, if it, you can be as you can read it as plainly as you want, or get as much. I like better when I get to read the nurse, yeah. David. Now I know this may be hard for you, but I have to warn you. Warn me? Will you get out of here, you meatloaf? I'm a grisly sight. That it's true, but I love you, and that's why I'm here. You've got to know. If you love me so much. Jack, you'll realize how disconcerting it is to me to share one's breakfast with the living dead. We were attacked by a werewolf. David covering his ears. I'm not listening. On the moors, we were attacked by a lycanthrope. A werewolf. Shut up, you zombie. I was murdered. An unnatural death. And now I walk the earth in limbo until the werewolf's curse is lifted. What's wrong with you? Shut up! The wolf's bloodline must be severed. The last remaining werewolf must be destroyed. Will you be quiet? 
Jack rises and comes closer to David. It's you, David. What? You survived, and now you shall continue the curse. What are you talking about? I won't accept this. Get out. God damn it. Remember what that guy at the slaughtered lamb said? Beware the moon. Stop it, Jack. Beware the moon. The full moon, David. You've got two days. Jack, please go away. Please go away. You'll stalk the streets of London, a creature of the night. You talking like Boris Karloff? It's movie dialogue. David, please believe me. You will kill people, David. You've got to stop the bloodshed before it begins. Nurse! Listen to me. Take your own life, David. It's our only chance. Nurse! The supernatural, the powers of darkness, it's all true. Take your life. Suicide, David. Join me! Nurse! Oh, God, Alex! It's cold, David, and I'm so alone. The undead surround me. Have you ever talked to a corpse? It's boring. I'm lonely. Kill yourself, David, before you kill others. And that basically covers that whole entire scene. It really sounds like, it's like, it's like a werewolf movie, but it sounds like zombie talk. <laughs> um, how about if I give you this bit of information? <laughs> I just realized that I don't think I've given this information to you. Or actually that I put into the actual podcast itself. Um, this, uh, story was written when John Lannis was 19. Okay. That's why it sounds like a zombie movie? Well, no, no. not a zombie movie, but what I'm saying is like, yeah. this, this sounds, yeah. this conversation, the script conversation, yeah, yeah. sounds zombie-ish or, or well, vampires or, it doesn't, I, I've just never seen a. I've just. I don't know very many werewolf movies where the werewolves are pleading for each other to join them. Like it's just not. Yeah, like I've seen I just, like 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 it's not you know like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where he's like, you you know come join me. You're fucking floating, man. Like you know like like that's vampires do that. You know. Well, no, I don't. I'm just saying this is. I'm not saying the movie in general. I'm yeah. saying this chunk here yeah. where he's like he's like join me i'm lonely blah 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 that sounds like oh i see yeah this particular yeah this script, chunk right this here chunk of the script, script the script version yeah. yes it yeah, does yeah. seem yes yeah. it comes off totally different yeah in the yeah. movie than it does in yeah i see what you're saying yeah like especially here take your own life suicide david join me and then where he's like it's boring i'm lonely kill yourself david before you kill others and up there he said you know he said join me and stuff so, yeah, yeah, yeah like it sounds like you're fucking floating, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was so nice, Luke Perry. According to the radio drama, the radio drama does pretty much exactly what we just read in the uh, the script version. Uh, it basically follows the script pretty closely. Uh, it because uh, again, the radio drama has to pad the scenes a little more. Um, one of the things that uh, that is actually kind of interesting is when uh, David is basically blocking his ears 
obviously he has to mention that he's I'm going to cover my ears and I'm not listening to you I'm covering my ears but as Jack continues to go on with his explanation Jack is doing the whole entire na 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 not listening na 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 in the background as uh, Jack continues on which would have seemed very very extremely childish if we were to see David Naughton doing it while Griffin Dunn's reading reading his lines to him but it fits perfectly into the radio drama because again you can't see anything happening so you have to fill in the blanks with the spoken word but uh, other than that it pretty much follows the script exactly and on that note that brings us to the end of another minute of an american world from london and the end of this episode of welcome to the slaughtered lamb be sure to subscribe to this podcast on either Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or any of your other favorite podcast catchers. If you'd like to be so kind as to share, rate, and review us, that would be really cool too. If you feel like following this podcast on the social medias, you can follow Planet Geek Pod, all one word, on Instagram and Twitter, and if you'd like to send us a message via email, Send it to planetgeekpod at gmail.com. So until next time, remember, keep off the moors, stick to the roads, and the best of luck. Like, I know I know, I looked good like the other day. <laughs> yeah, like the other day when we did the last episode, this is drag. which was a minute ago. Yeah, this is so bad for people with ADHD. Well, no, because we're doing this the wrong way. We should be doing this in blocks. And like a little peek behind the curtain is that it, we should be doing like three or four episodes in a row, and then put them out. Well. You tell that to Aslan, who doesn't fall asleep till no, 10 I understand that. I understand that. Yes. Yes. But that's something that we'll just have to, we'll just have to navigate and all that. So anyways, will you get out of here, you meatloaf? <laughs> just a word to the listeners. There is no line for Jack to actually giggle like a little girl. But this is the first time Adrian's actually reading Stop this right script. Now. Before you go any further, do you love me? Will you love me forever? Okay. Shut up, you zombie. <laughs> I'm sorry. Again, no giggling in the script. That wasn't so bad, now was it? Stop right now. Before you go any further, will you love me? That's your go-to when you hear meatloaf? All right, so basically, I could have sang "Do Anything for Love." I won't do that. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Oh no, I won't do. I would do anything for love, anything you've been thinking of. All right. Join me, though. He says, "Join me." And on what's that? You were oh, about to say something. It's just me at the top again. See, there's my oh, little row. Yeah, look at that. I, I 
am number one. You're number one. I You're am, the wiener. I am the wiener. I am the wiener. <laughs> what was that? What? What were you doing? I was singing the bird from above and going up into space. Who? What? What? Who's going up into space? People in the front of the building. What? <laughs> Have you seen this video? Yeah. And I've seen, um... So it's, it's a concert video. I've seen Ninja Sex Party's version of this song, too. Yeah. All right, I'm putting an end to this now. What do you mean? I'm stopping this. Stopping what? Oh, this you're still playing entire, it? Yeah, this whole entire Europe sequence. <laughs> you got me dancing around in the back there. Well, yeah, it's... I was jumping. You were.